0: All right, it's time for another episode of Wrestling with Sports, Dimitri, Young, Jason Kendall, and myself. And Dimitri, sometimes it's a little touchy-feely with Jason Kendall. It's, it, he is kind of the, the boss, the parent, the, uh, the taskmaster, task if you will, on this podcast. But now we get to sit down and interview someone that has a little bit of history with Jason and maybe even the score and give us some uh, fun stories with him.
1: I'm looking forward to it because this is his mentor and this is someone that I used to look up to and then played against him and um, always had some good advice over at first base. And um, I want Jason to introduce this fine gentleman. Uh,
2: this is going to be a tough show for me, but a great one. And and I couldn't be more proud to have this uh, man on. I don't if you remember, I teased it maybe... A week ago or whatever I don't even remember the date that my favorite uh, teammate of all time was coming on we played seven years together probably eight I mean if you go back to the minor leagues and, and and it's a it's a little bit longer but uh without a doubt one of my mentors without a doubt one of my favorite people to ever be around and I think if anybody out here has has listened to what I don't have many friends I do have one good friend obviously I have Dennis okay be quiet Dennis Dennis and Dimitri but I do have one friend that I keep in touch with um and I couldn't be more happy to introduce Kevin Young without a doubt my favorite teammate and without a doubt the best fielding first baseman I have ever seen and we'll talk about the whole gold glove stuff later because you guys know that I can't stand the whole because the coaches and this net but Kevin thanks for coming on man thank you for uh joining the show
3: Absolutely, man. It's good to good to hear you, and and I actually hear some compliments from you. You know, it means a lot. You know, and uh, Dennis,
0: thanks again, Dimitri. Obviously, it's been a while, so it's good to be on with you guys. I'm definitely. I'm going to start this out, and look, we know Jason, and Jason is, uh, and excuse my language, a son of a bitch at times. How the hell do you stay friends with him this long? Distance. I live in
2: Arizona. He, he lives in <laughs> Kansas City, so uh, that, that's pretty much how it works, you know. Uh, and and you know what? It, it is exactly right. And <laughs> I do want to get to some serious note because I know you guys are going to rag on me, which is fine. I, I have thick skin. Um, but uh, Kevin is the offensive coordinator, which basically runs all the offense of the Pittsburgh Pirates from the minor leagues on up. Did you say the Pirates or the Steelers? <laughs> <laughs> well, offensive
1: coordinator,
2: offensive coordinator, right? He, right,
1: for the he Steelers, tells right? Cordell,
2: Cordell Stewart and Ben Roselsberger what to do on the sidelines while he's watching the Pirates games. But um, <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all, but it's kind of funny. So anyhow, he, he's, he's still active in baseball. Um, and he's one of those guys that when I say he was one of my mentors, I can only imagine how the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, whether it be from the minor leagues on up and the coaching staff, because the coaching staffs are getting a lot younger as well, pick his mind advice on what to do. So he is currently the offensive coordinator, which Dimitri and I both agree that he's not calling plays for Ben Roethlisberger. And he is also hit in his first year, which is not happening as a color man for the Pittsburgh pirates. And he's perfect for the role. Just with this whole coronavirus stuff going on, the COVID-19, it, it really stinks for you, KY. And I want you to, to, kind of express it because you're closer to the game than me dimitri and dennis right now um but i do have a couple questions for you that dimitri and i have been talking about in the past or in past episodes about just about the whole thing and what you think about you know minor leagues on but how did you come across this gig and to get the um the the the, the color man for the pirates i know steve blast left who was a longtime pirates hero and one of my favorite people of all time but how'd you come across this gig
3: Yeah, kid, when it basically, you know, even towards the end of my career in Pittsburgh, um, you know, you know, uh, a few faces that are still there. I mean, Pittsburgh history, they they keep guys around for a long time in the front office. And um, we had talked about it. in in, at that time before retiring, it just wasn't that that time and place for me to actually consider it. So Mark Gardner had asked me about it um, at the end of my career Said you'd be, you know, it'd be a nice transition for you. If you ever get interested in it, let me know. And, uh, and basically that was, you know, time had passed, you know, uh, Caleb graduated from high school and that's when I went back into, you know, pro baseball and obviously being, uh, back in Pittsburgh doing the special assistant gig at the time. And, and then it basically presented itself, uh, after five years, they brought it back up and, uh, they mentioned it. The assistant GM mentioned it last year would, uh, gave them permission to talk to me. And, uh, and we did a deal with at and sports uh, and, for a small package of games and, and then the new leadership has come in this year uh, basically allowed me to d- actually do it. So uh, we were looking forward to getting it going. Obviously, the season is uh, taking a little pause for a second, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But, again, it's just another way to stay connected with the game. Uh, stay connected, as you well know, is so important because it, it, the turnover is so so quick these days. Uh, you get guys that come in and they're out of the game so quick. Um, so it's really important to really stay connected and, and if you want to be a part of it.
0: Here's where I can relate to you, finally, where I was a nationally uh, syndicated radio host. I did local and ESPN stuff, and I understood how to amp up a personality. You have to kind of turn it up and be something sometimes you're not normally. How have you I either taught yourself or someone taught you how to be an on-air personality or even just be colorful, colorful, which kind of gets forgotten in a lot of radio and TV?
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Dennis. This is a good question, too, because a lot of times, as you know, all of us, we end up spending a ton load of time, you know, either watching sports, uh, watching interviews, watching, you know, anything that has to do with sports. And so I found myself really picking apart different people from different uh, sports, uh, whether it be guys like, you know, Tony Romo, as he's doing a game this this past season in NFL or Charles Barkley. You know, as he's doing TNT and and you start looking at guys and seeing what their what their little niche is, what their gift is. And, And for me, it's just, you know, you just take in a lot of the information and you see, you know, there's some things that are really, really good about the game that you really can pinpoint on and really share with other people. And then there's some things that are funny as hell about this game and you laugh at it. And, and being able to, to keep all that together, uh, it, it really does kind of help you have a little essence of who you are as a, as, a, as a player, but also who you are when it comes to sharing the
1: game with others. Speaking of sharing the game with others, with you being in that position, do you have a chance to go and talk about your time as a Pirate? Because nowadays you see these coaching staffs and people that are running the front office. None of them have big league time. They can't explain how it is to be in the big leagues. And about that, um, I have to write this down because um, back in 1997 when I was with the Cardinals, Mark jo- I, I'm, I'm trying to refresh my memory. Did Mark, Mark, Mark Johnson, Mark Johnny Yeah, he ran over Mike D. Felice. This is in St. Louis. And, and took him out, and Mike D. Felice followed him to y'all's dugout know, and kind of pushed him, and then both benches cleared, and... Didn't you go after Tony Larusa?
2: <laughs> no, that was me. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, that was me. Man, I mean, he was probably hey, going after we- me, who was going after Tony Larusa. <laughs>
3: That's one thing I can tell you. I mean, I much respect to Tony Larusa for sure, being the manager. But that I not I not my, not my favorite. You know that we look, we look forward to every single time we got, uh, really getting after it with the Cardinals for sure. So. But, you know, hey, it was the only time you can really fight and throw down and not go to jail, so we were all about it.
2: (laughs) That's one thing that I tell you what, nobody wanted to play us, not because we were real good, but they knew we didn't care. And uh, that was one of those things. But, hey, last serious question, though, seriously, before I I get ragged on or whatever, because, and I actually love this, and I love the fact that you're on here. And Demetri and I and Dennis were all talking about the state of the game now. Obviously, we're in uncharted territory. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if they're going to play games. We don't know how safe it is, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, is, and me and you had a, a, an off... We had a conversation the other day talking about the minor leagues. The, I feel more uh, disappointed because, obviously, they're going to try to start the big leagues uh, um, as soon as they can, and I believe, and Dimitri believes, that they should, even if there's no fans. Dennis, on the other hand, he's kind of like a coin toss, but I truly believe that the, the people need something now for those three hours a day, and it, it got us back, and I'll get back to minor leagues just because I, I, I'm all over the place, you know I am, KY, but it got me back to, I um, mean, Demetri, about 9-11, and I'll never forget, because I believe you were the player rep for us then, right? And I remember yeah. we were on a bus going to Chicago and maybe three days after uh, 9-11 happened and turned around. We all went in the back of the bus because you had the phone on with um, the association and, and telling us, you know, basically to go back and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, but I just remember when we did come back, it was like, so even if it was a three hour kind of break for, for the, the for America, it was a three-hour break, and that's why I think Dimitri and I both, because we were obviously there as yourself when this happened as a player, and we got to see the, the fans being, it's like, it's a three-hour break of, of what is going on in, in, in this world. And so, but the minor leagues I'll get to, this is actually more important, but where do you see this game going? Do you see it with fans? I'm talking about over the next three months. Do you see it with fans? Do you see it no fans? Do you see it 70 games? Do you see it 100 games? Um, explain to us what you think, because you're a lot closer than we are to, uh, to big league baseball right now.
3: Yeah, I think I think kid, I think the biggest thing is that it's going to be uh, some definitely adjustments. And you did mention nine eleven, And that's that's pretty accurate, too, because it's that same type of field. It's unprecedented. Right. So, uh, you know, but if you really want to look at it, you know, I would like to think that we could get anywhere from, you know, 80 to 100 games in uh, legitimately, um, you know, and that's providing we start around the 4th of July or something like that. Obviously that's been the goal is to get guys back in, uh, into a mini spring training 2.0 type of mindset, uh, in June, um, and give them two or three weeks to get going and then really start the season, expand the roster. Uh, you know, I know we've talked about, uh, doing the DH, uh, across the board. I don't know how, if that's going to get finalized or not. Um, but I would think that would be for me, that would be the best way to go about doing it just because you uh, because of the demand that you have with the pitchers and all the stuff that you have going on. It might be a good, you know, uh, opportunity for them to use a DH since you have expanded rosters as well. Um, and then like how, I said, speaking it, of
2: expanded rosters, how many do you think th- I mean that you've heard or maybe maybe you haven't heard? How many do you think extra will add? I mean, because obviously it's a 25 man roster. And they're going to have to. Yeah. it, And it's just a matter of yeah. how many, you know,
3: and I'm not sure where the last word last set off. Hit. I think, you know, at the, at the
2: very least, it should be up to 30
3: uh, at the very least. And I do know what we what my concern was, was also from the player development side as well, was, you know, what what do you do in that area where uh, if you don't have a minor league system? Right. Uh, where do you draw from? So you end up having a uh, a taxi squad type of look and feel, where you have you know anywhere from fifteen to you know the twenty-five guys that you that you have at your either spring training facility or somewhere like that that you're consistently getting their workouts, so they're continually either getting their you know doing their pins, getting their hitting, uh, working out the same way they would be doing to prepare, um, and eventually. We'd like to see them be able to play games too with whoever is in that same area because that would be taking place at the spring training facility. So you would have teams in that area uh that you may end up doing something with where you can compete against at least to keep guys fresh, seeing live pitching, getting their their uh uh being able to throw off the mound and, and compete. In their so fans. Yeah. So so that would be that would be the big part of it. And then, you know, the toughest thing of all, and you mentioned it and I'll kind of you segue into that part of the minor league um if you can 't get stands if you can 't get fans in the stands uh for the major league game to start off let 's just say to start off you 're pretty much eliminating the thought of having a minor league season at all right because that 's the number one revenue for the minor leagues so you, you literally are, are not going to have a minor league uh so you have to come up then how do you continue to get these guys at the minor league level that uh that are coming? How do you get them some kind of quality? And you have to create, you know, we we didn't actually move to create a, um, you know, like a season uh, for them, basically. So it becomes more of a developmental season where they end up uh, competing like an like an instructional league for like an example. instructional league. Like, yeah. So so we talked about that. You know, in old school days, we I mean we had instructional league of six to eight weeks. You know, so that's you know that's two months of at least getting something in where they can get their development in and don't feel like they just missed an entire
1: season. Hey, I have a question about, um, one of the players that you have in your organization. I had an opportunity to coach him when he was 11, along with my son and coached with, um, well, you know, Charlie Hayes, his son, Key Brian Hayes, the kid. I mean, when, when I was, coaching with him, you know, I just let Charlie do it with his son, I do it with my son, but the kid always worked, he was a hungry kid, and I mean his fielding, I mean, it was like he was the best fielder I ever seen at, at 11, 12 years old and, and then you know, on Facebook, you know, you can keep up with people and, and before the draft you know, you just see Charlie in the backyard, he's working with him with ground balls, hitting, base running, going along the whole thing so he's in the organization. Can you t- tell me about his progress and his potential ETA and what the Pirates think of him?
3: Yeah, he's from Mono D. He's, he's, I mean, I I, call, I got a whole bunch of nicknames for him. <laughs> Brian, I call him, I call him gold. I call him butter. Because <laughs> all of it's good, man. You, hit the you ball should call there. him hey,
2: bro. <laughs> That's all Charlie used to say. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. <laughs> hey, you're right.
3: You're right. But yeah, he's super talented defensively is off the chart Um, last year. I mean, even the offense is just it's been really nice to watch. He hits the ball to all fields line drives, as you know, the gap to gap, the carry to the outfield off the wall. Um, And so he's he's one of those guys. He's young, um, but he is really up and coming. I think, you know, at some point, you know, before all this happened, you'd like to think he was going to be in Pittsburgh at some point this year. Uh, provided things go accordingly, you know, at this point, you you never know. Um, but they also might create a better opportunity to, you know, with the way things are going at this point. So, um, but I like I said, I can tell you right now, defensively, uh, it's off the chart. It can play at the major league level, you know, today, tomorrow, and in, in 10 years from now, I mean, it's that good. Um, and offensively, he's going to, he's going to put together professional bats. And like I said, he hits line drives to carry to the outfield. Um, and with the ball flight and going off the wall or over it. So um, he's in a good spot to where he's at now and couldn't be even happier to to have him in a pirate uniform. He sounds like his old man
2: the way you explained it.
1: Hey, and there's one more more person, um, that all-star first baseman. Has he been picking your brain and and things like that? Because Jason said you're the best first baseman. I would have to agree from what I've seen. And that, that Josh Bell, I mean, that's an incredible young man right there. And I, I hope, I hope, and pray he's picking your brain not only on first base, but being a, a black superstar in the game, and us being a minority, how to conduct ourselves on and off the field because all eyes are on us. Okay, hey, before before what.
2: he answers, because Ky and I do keep in touch. I will say this, and I know, and I know, still a lot of people in Pittsburgh and. That was his main. That was Ky's main project. Was it two Well, it was before his breakout season last year. Oh, yeah. Ky took him under his wing like he did me, and and, and I'm listen. The guy has ability. He's going to play. He's going to hit. He's and he handles himself. He handles himself like Ky did. And I know for a fact that because of Kevin's presence, that's why Bell's doing what he's doing. I mean, obviously his talent is it speaks for itself. He is what he is, but. I'm telling you what, when I listen to him do interviews, this is just me looking completely like not even being involved with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but obviously knowing Kevin Young. And I'm telling you, I could not be more proud of Josh Bell. He's one of those top five guys that I, I you, you root for. And and he has so many he has his swagger. Like KY was like, I might suck, but I'll tell you what, I look cool out here. I mean <laughs> You Dimitri KY you guys both know that you're gonna have good games, bad games, whatever, but I'm gonna tell you what his and I'm like I'm liking to think that he got this from you, and I'm actually I'm pretty sure he did. He has that even kill thing. Now, that all being said is KY to answer his question because I see you in him. Yeah, uh, and you guys
3: hit it on the head. The, the kid is extremely smart. He comes from a, a wonderful, a wonderful, smart, intelligent, hardworking family. Uh, I, I would actually—it's been five years now since since we've met. Um, and the first time I met him was here at Arizona Fall League, and um, that's when I came on as a special assistant to the GM at the time. And that way, and you're right, there was two people in particular that that I was working with and that was Pedro Alvarez at the major league level uh, in his transition to first base, and Josh Bell was the other one. And so, long story short, ultimately what happened is um, I built an entire defensive program to, uh, for Pedro Alvarez um, that really Pedro didn't 100% commit to. Um, and then Let's go to Bell. That, we, who that's, cares about Pedro Alvarez? Same, that same program, <laughs> but that same program was given to Josh Bell, and he absolutely... You know, because of his work ethic, because of, you know, how he was, his demeanor and everything that you guys have mentioned about him, is so true. And he absolutely flourished um and made a transition from the outfield, which is a very hard transition to do, by the way, going from the outfield mm-hmm. to first base, uh, mm-hmm. when you never played it. And so and it he did that. Mr. Young knows,
2: it. your your cousin knows, Dimitri Young knows.
3: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's uh it was definitely it was it's been an honor to really to watch him kind of grow as a like like D said as a, a young African American first baseman in Pittsburgh um, that represents not only himself but the ball club and eventually be a good ambassador for this game that we love and, and uh, play. So uh, he's he's been tremendous. Anytime you get a chance to be around him, you'll get a chance to see who he really is and. And I couldn't be more proud for the work that he put in. It's been amazing to watch him uh, overcome obstacles at the Major League level. And, uh, and, and kid, you're right, 100%. I mean, no matter what goes on on that field, you know that that kid is going to be there. He's going to be right behind you, supporting you, um, no matter what. And if you can't get it done that day, so gonna bust his ass and get it done tomorrow.
0: So let me jump in while we're talking about Josh Bell. And this will be for you, Kevin, for sure. But I want Dimitri and Jason to chime in, too. But time and time again, we see a guy like Josh Bell enter into the Home Run Derby, do amazing. And then it the sec- seems like the second half of the season, he either loses power or there's fatigue. At, at what point do you think the coaching staff or, or even mentors like you will, will sit the guy down and go, maybe doing the Home Run Derby isn't the best for your career going forward?
3: Yeah, I think I think that's what we actually discussed this prior to the All-Star break. Uh, believe it or not, it was uh, I can't remember where we were, what city we were in. But um, but I remember he told me that, you know, he had the the invite and he asked me what I thought about it. And I and, and I'll be quite honest. I mean, you got to remember, this is this is a guy early in his career. You know, this is an opportunity He's having a breakout first half season. And one thing you, is D will comment and kid will comment on is that. You don't this nothing's ever promised in this game for us. You don't know what the next year holds. You don't know if you ever make it back to, you know, a World Series or a playoff berth or, you know, ever be able to, you know, drive in a hundred runs again. You don't know. And so when you're taking in all this, hey, you live for that day, man. I mean, I, I used to say, I mean, I have a saying that I say to our guys is that man, you gotta love, you know, and it's love is live out victory every day. You know, and at the end of the day, that's what that was about for him. It was like this is an opportunity that I don't know if I ever had this opportunity again. Um, So let's do it. You know, and that that was his approach to it. And the way he works, that's exactly what happened. I mean, if you go back and look at the home run derby, he was all about volume. He was trying to get as many. Pitches <laughs> that's that's his. Way. He was just hey, just throw the ball. I'll swing. I'll figure it out. But that's how he's wired. He works his ass. This is the hardest working individual I've ever been around. And so, and I do believe that that did run a little toll on him in the second half of the season. But rest assured, uh, I think it was a right decision for him um, because the
2: opportunities, they just aren't promised to us. Okay. So, that being said, is once you guys get done ragging on me and everything, and before we shut this show down, please let me remind me to give another. Kevin Young, the best quote he's ever done, and just remind me before we go, because it's my favorite of all time. I, I, I will, I will <laughs> I remind you. I know exactly you. what you're going to say. <laughs> no. So, hey. Can <laughs> I wait to the... <laughs> oh, break. no, you ain't, you ain't going to get off that. You sound all professional, this and that. I just remind me at the
0: end to say it. Ah, it, it was okay. every game. I will absolutely do end, that. Uh, So how how hard is it now to go from being a player to being in the front office now to being in the booth to – listen, it's no secret that a lot of athletes are not fans of the reporters or not fans of the TV guys when they criticize. Now you're put in a position where potentially you're going to have to criticize some of the players and then go face them as management still at – at what point or how do you navigate the politics there
3: and again it, it's all about truth and I think it's building a reputation obviously when that works when you have guys in our organization that's been around me and understands but you're hundred percent right Dennis I mean there's going to be guys that um, that are new to the organization free agency come in um, and they'll be exposed they don't we don't have a track record right and so they don't know KY they just know, kevin young and they think that okay there's another guy that the game's gotten easier you know from from the booth or wherever um and so it's 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 a fine line but as dimitri would say and 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 jason would say i mean you know we put in some our work boots look a little different you know we've got some we got some dirt under there
2: and we got some blood sweat and tears that that we left on that field Um, okay we've had this conversation before a track record does speak for itself when you, whether you're coming out of the booth, whether you're, you're, it does because there's and it, especially in today's game is I, I, there's some coaches that I've never even heard of. And now th- they're coming out that, okay. Said that's, some, that's some colors, most. What's that? <laughs> Not some most. Well, exactly. I'm trying to be politically correct, but because Kevin's here and I don't want him to scold me after we get off the air, but <laughs> oh,
1: why uh, is he the, the hidden coach?
2: Why are they- <laughs> the hidden coach? No, t- No, no, no. You're the hidden coach because you're switch hitter. He- oh, he'll be on the staff somehow. Because um, I told Dimitri the other day, I'm like, you're you're my hidden coach, regardless of because. And think about it. How many switch hitters are hitting coaches now? And it makes more sense than anything. And it really does to me in, in in a baseball world because you can obviously relate to both sides of the plate. That being said, no, KY will be on there. I, I don't know where I'm going to stick him yet, but um, he'll probably be right next to me if I can tolerate him for a little bit. But um, yeah. I just lost train of thought right so, there. No, oh, but having a resume, having a resume, it does speak volume for a player. And I know there's a lot of college coaches now coming up, and, yeah, okay, they might have some good stuff. And this is where players today are going to need players like a Kevin Young or Dimitri Young, um, the cousins. And and, uh, and myself or the guys who have been there and done that because you have to let these players know you know what, give him a chance he might have something that you that, that you can take and, and put in your game he might not but just because he never played in the big, big leagues and that's where the you have to to come in really with your franchise guys like a Kevin Young or like Cincinnati Demetri Young or St Louis Dimitri, um, and have those people around because what's going to happen is it's going to be for these younger kids. Hey, oh, well I don't like that. Oh, you you just coached at Mississippi State or wherever it might be. Yep. And that's what's going to happen. And there needs to be veteran ball players or ex ball players who have and I'm not talking 2 or 3 years. I'm talking players who are well respected, put up some pretty good numbers and uh, both offensively and defensively. That's what it's going to take to get some of these uh, younger players to listen, because I can sit here right now and tell you, like, what does this guy know? He was a pitching coach at Mississippi State or wherever. Like I said, I'm just throwing that out. Do you have a thing against no, State? What about, what about that Yankees'
1: present. new pitching coach? Where oh, did
2: he come geez, from? He's going to be in for a.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: hey, I think, I think
1: you guys, yes, sir. My question to you: This is a non-serious question. I've gotten this pretty much my entire career, where hey, like, hey, Mr. Young, can you sign this car? Hey, how would you like it there in Pittsburgh? <laughs> and I told you, 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 you know what I'm getting at? I or or, or yes. hey, how's your, how's your brother Delwin doing? My brother's yes, Delwin. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and, and you know, I, do you do you get some of that? Because I get that all the absolutely. time, absolutely.
3: Yes, I do. Are you I do sure you time. didn't play in
1: Pittsburgh?
3: Yeah, no, I get, it. I do get it because that's what they 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 get me all over the place. Oh yeah, I mean, I watched you here in Cincinnati, and yeah, the Cardinals are my favorite team. I'm like, that's, not,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where Dimitri said, like that dude's bald. I still have hair. <laughs> There's
3: no doubt. Hey, but the one thing I will share with you guys, the toughest thing that that, that you know, Jay, you were talking about was that like when you have the hitting coaches or the coaches today and, you know, the, the veterans experience and all that, the, the young guys today, the, t- the challenge that you run into is you have a lot of these hitting coaches and hitting gurus that we talk about um, that they're working with these guys all off season. They're making money off of them, you know, helping them. And it's great intent, you know, but they, they definitely, they're paying, right? They're pay- these guys are paying these guys to help them. And it goes to that place of that feel-good. You know, I had a discussion about this a couple of weeks ago about when you're in the off-season, it's it's the off-season, it's in the name, you know. There's no stress, there's no 95 mile per hour sinkers. I mean, you got soft toss and t-work, you know, so you can feel really good doing what you that feel good is awesome, but when reality hits when you get back to spring training and, and all of a sudden the velo gets pumped up on you and all the good feeling that you had before that you had that you paid all your guru for, it goes out the window. You, you know? dropped that Oaks so end 12, Oaks for playing 14,
2: no, 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 not good. Yeah, you know, so that's the I, challenge
1: that I have with it. You know, And I deal with that on the amateur side here. You know, I, I coach over at Oaks Christian High School here in uh, Westlake with Royce Clayton and Jeff Weaver and I do um, the Breakthrough Series and uh, Hank Aaron Invitea. I'm on the amateur side, and so I do hitting lessons as well, but you got Craig Wallenbach, who's not too far up the street, and you know his, his crew is all up with the Dodgers and stuff, as hitting coaches and stuff, and you have these guys that – and Craig, I, I respect them and stuff, but you have too many guys out here that are teaching the, the launch angle, and, and they're not teaching the mentality of how to get hits and games. You know, they don't classify what kind of hitter they are. They they get in these guys' heads and, and like, all right, we're going to turn you into a home run hitter where you might just be a good line drive hitter that occasionally shoots the gaps to get the best out of your ability. You're over there shooting for the moon. And and this is in the high school level. This is so bunk where these guys are looking. I want to hit home runs. That's going to impress. I got my certificate of completion from um, scout school, over here. I've been on the amateur side since two thousand. It's not even scout school, man. It's like Harvard.
2: You give anything Harvard, you're golden. That that is hard. (laughs) That scout development
1: program, good God. But (laughs) I'm listening to you on the pro side and it's like you got these never has over here teaching these guys how to do on the big league level and I'm trying to get these kids how to get to the next level, whether it's playing college ball or if you're gifted enough To be able to get drafted and play professional.
2: But it's all about, for me, it's the the mental game and knowing who you are and how to build from that. And what you can do, and I'll give you a perfect example, and I'll try to make this short, is Bubba Starling. This guy has, Mm. and he's from Kansas, so he's, you know, he honestly right now the best center fielder in the game. I'll guarantee you he's that good. Offensively, he scuffles, which everybody's going to scuffle. But Bubba Starling, and he obviously, because I'm in Kansas, i worked with him the last two or three years, and I'm like, and he actually asked me one day, he goes, what do you do when, you know, you have too many people talking to you? And I, and I called call him out. I'm like, oh, hey, you, know you, whatever. And I go, Bubba, here's the deal. You can sit there because you're a, a respectful kid and, and you want to be respectful. And so uh-huh, uh-huh. you let it go through one ear and out the other. Dude, finally last year. Now, this is like eight, nine years in. He was a first round pick, fourth pick overall. Got some money from Kansas. And if you're going to ask me that, what do you do if you have too many, first of all, (laughs) your mentality should be like, you're going to do what works for you, bottom line. But if you're listening to what everybody, you have 12 different hitting coaches, you're going to be so jacked up. And you guys understand what I'm trying to say, but Bubba now has finally done, like, you know what? All right, right. cool, 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 cool. He's doing now what has worked for him. It, It took him eight years. Eight yeah. years in professional baseball to figure this out, and it's it's crazy, but he actually had, and I, I said, K.Y. and Dimitri both you guys both know me, I said it obviously not like that. Oh, hey, you don't listen everybody. I said, <laughs> hey, you, uh, you, duh. And I think he got somebody being stern with him that had been and done that, and I'm going to tell you what, I that's another reason, because I, I, he's such a good kid, and he's from out here. I mean, he's like the hero, he, he's like the... Going to be the next George Brett, which nobody's going to be the next George Brett, but that's how they pumped him up that much when he got drafted. And you know what? I'm but this coronavirus, this COVID nineteen. I mean, gosh, dog it. But he's a name to look out for. And I, and I told uh, Mr. Sherrington about this. Ky, don't keep your eye off of this kid because he's going to be right there if he continues that same way. But that's the the deal with being a hitting coach is. I said this the other day on the show. I was like, you have to deal with so many different personalities, but you have to yeah. figure out what they want and what they don't want, and and uh, what they need, what they don't need, and what works for them.
0: All right, uh, that's solid. I, I got to jump in here, and I know a lot of Pittsburgh fans want to probably know this question. I'm I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. You know, I'm I'm out in Detroit. Come from Boston, St. Louis, but. Pittsburgh has a history of being the bridesmaid, never the bride. And in the last couple of years of being frugal, I guess, would be the polite way of saying it. And sometimes not hanging on to youth or, or a stud player longer than they should in order to try to swap them out. You being in the front office, can you tell us a little bit about what this new regime's plan is to turn the ship around and maybe make Pittsburgh a... A winning team again?
3: Yeah, I think uh, there's there's a, a lot to be said about finding that happy medium. I know it's it will never going to be in this, in the city of Pittsburgh, and I hate to say I hate to use the word never, but but just the one that's going to spin 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 to to acquire uh, whether it be free agents uh, or get you over the hump in that way. But I do believe there's a happy medium between development uh, player development and the ability to pick spots and this this group is definitely geared towards being aggressive um, once they understand the dynamics and what they're working on obviously there's a new switch you have new ownership and at the end of the day if you're if he's paying the money that that really much says what you need to do it's going to be tough because the city of pittsburgh as jason will tell you i mean uh, it's been under that we've been waiting a long time, you know, for the Pirates to have that breakout season. And then when we were able to do it a few years back, um, we you saw what happened and what it did to the city that ignited a lot of people. And so to, to sustain that, that's a tough thing to do uh, without, you know, strategically, you know, spending money in the right spaces and the right at the right times. But player development has been one of our, our big you know, strengths over the last few years. I know we got a little knock on it before, but we were able to produce, you know, guys like Austin Meadows, Tyler now Josh Bell. Um, you know, the list goes on that, that, that we have young talent that have been there that are impacting the major leagues at this current time, you know, whether they be in other organizations or in Pittsburgh. So it's there, but now what do you do with that other handful of key free agents? It's hard to draw that top free agent into Pittsburgh when he has an opportunity to go
2: to a Boston or to a to, to a York. winning team, to a proven team. Yeah, so he's yeah, he's yeah. being very politically corrected. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> that is, without a doubt. I mean, it's not the ballpark. It's not the the ballpark, if not the most gorgeous ballpark in the game. It's one of them, and it's gorgeous. But when you become a free agent, it, your your age is getting up there. You're you obviously belong because you've been there for at least six years. You want to win, so that's what they're gonna to have to do. That's and that's where the the, the the minor league system comes in, and, and your draft picks come in, and and you know all that other stuff. But Ky, that was you are ready for to be on air because man, that was like, <laughs> I would have said it in three seconds and been like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not the ballpark. It's, it, it's free agents want to win.
0: All right, no a, enough serious talk. Let's all make fun of Jason Kindle now for the last few minutes. We all know what kind of a guy Jason Kindle is. Can you tell us some great Jason Kindle stories, some that we don't have to bleep out? Oh, God. That, you see, you were fine if you said that last part, Dennis. Something you don't have yeah. to bleep Hey, out. you know, let me ask you, you one
2: more serious question. This is about a team that nobody <laughs> knows about, though, KY. Talk about the 1997 Pittsburgh Pirates. Because the that is a million, team that nobody knows million? Dennis. He'll he'll give you the dirt. I promise you. But the I'm 1997 Pittsburgh Pirates nine million dollar payroll. Yeah, we had a nine million dollar payroll, and we
3: literally I don't know how we did it, but we managed to stay in the playoff hunt to the last three games of the season. Uh, and we we actually ended up falling short, in the Houston Astros won the division. But that team was it was an amazing team for a number of reasons. You're talking about. Blue collar to the tee, hard working. I mean, this guy that's on the phone, like I said, it's uh, you know, he's I was one of my, my best buddies in Pittsburgh. But the one thing I can tell you is he went after it, he played harder than anybody that I've ever played with. Um, it was contagious for sure. Uh, but that team represented that that's who we were as a ball club. Um, I mean, it whether it be breaking up double plays, which we as a team wanted to annihilate you, by the way. Um, we took a lot of pride in every bit and piece of it, and it was a close knit group of guys. I think that was. I think Al Martin might have made the most money, and I think he might have made like two million dollars. Yeah, you know, um, and think everybody else is two or three million dollars, and everybody else, <laughs> the rest of the
2: six million <laughs> consisted of twenty-four guys. Wow, <laughs> that's honestly not true. In the every other player or every other team we played, there's at least one or two players that made. More than more our whole team. Our I'm gonna tell you team. what. So, yeah. getting back to what Dimitri, like little things that Dimitri says about you know the use and this and that, those are little stories that that can go so far. Nine minutes. I mean, it, obviously our division wasn't very good, and the Astros ended up winning. I don't even think they were over 500, one or two games under probably. But it's just a group of guys going out and playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. And I don't know. I, I, I every time I see you or Joe Randa. Uh, um and, and we're doing some type of i have to ask the question because it was such a fun time it was such a cool time and the way the city got behind us because we didn't make anything we weren't making anything you throw the money numbers out everything but i'm gonna tell you what we went out and we balled yeah
3: no it was fun it was a good yeah i actually ran into luke collier and a couple other guys just i mean just yeah. guys that you uh, kevin pokovich i mean it's like guys from that team that that you know it's just it's amazing because it was something that was guys that you just really don't hear a lot about but for our team that particular year is pretty special. So well, yeah, hey, you up, now I'll hey, shut up
1: hey hold on you brought up Lou Collier. I, I I've worked with him uh, we do the uh, breakthrough series and the Hank Aaron Invitational together. Sweet, and um his um son Cam Collier, he's um rated number four for the two thousand twenty three grads. By a perfect game. This mm-hmm. boy's a stud. Yeah. He's about he's, he's about six to, He's about he's almost my height. About 6'2", about one ninety. And Lou would bring him every, you know, to all the events that we um coach together with. And he'll bring him to because um the Hank Aaron Invitational used to be an elite development invitational, would be um held over at um Vero Beach at the now Jackie Robinson training facility. And the first week would be like the gonna be freshmen and gonna be eighth graders. And then the second re- week could be like the sophomore, juniors, seniors, and Lou would have Cam coming there with the older kids and work with them. And let me tell you, because one him being a big leaguer, and then he moved his son; he, they moved to Atlanta, Georgia, to be with Marquise Grissom and the, and, mm-hmm. and and his foundation, what he's got going on down there with the young African American players and stuff. So I want I, I'm bringing this up to you because this kid he. he, he mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You're good. He's on the radar. Yeah. He's on the radar. Guard, oh,
3: okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Lou
1: and I stay connected through
3: Facebook. So, yeah, no, I'm following tell you you. not a, not a
2: nicer guy than Lou. Lou is yeah. unbelievable. Oh yeah, he's Sweet the Lou. best.
3: <laughs> so Dennis back back
2: to you saying so
3: I mean it is going to be a challenge. Uh, I can tell you that the obviously there's a ton of highlights that that when I think about kid that through the course of the time we played um my favorite ones are the ones that, cause we like to fight a lot. So, <laughs> so my favorite one was the one with him and Sheffield. In the, in the, behind on the plate. So, so that, that was probably like, you know, cause you don't really see like at the time Gary Sheffield was like intimidating. He's that dude. Right. I mean, it's not too many people that are going to be like, you know what? I'll get up in your grill. You know, I'll work you. Uh, that said a lot about who Jason Kendall is. I mean, it, it didn't matter. I mean, if you're the opposing team, he's that one teammate that you have that you're good. You know, he's on your team. But if you're the opposing team, you can't stand his ass. That's that's who Jason Kendall is. But because he was always <laughs> on my team, I love him. So
2: K Y is like. No. I, I, I always told KY like, "Hey, dude, I'm gonna get in a fight. It's gonna happen. I, I don't care who it is, but just make sure you pull my little ass out of there, okay?"
3: Now, now, KY, <laughs> and, I'm... hey, as long as, hey, Dennis, hold on, I'll tell you this: as long as he, as long as he could fight like before the All Star break, he had a chance. <laughs> but by the second half of the season, his ass had lost about 25 pounds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so also,
2: hey, yeah, nigga. I told Dennis this there night, and I don't know if Dimitri was there or not, but um you know, I remember we played a game out in um Sarasota at night um the first spring training, and you and I went to a restaurant <laughs> to, um, across <laughs> the hall, and Larkin was there. I didn't know if Dimitri was there or not, but I did tell Dennis, and maybe this is not a story for on the air, but um oh great, I don't you know if you were, were you there at night that uh, k y and me were there when um I, d- I had to get out of there really quick. <laughs> What what happened?
0: Guess not.
3: Oh, let me let me tell you. Oh, well, we got two things that happened that night. That was we had we were down at uh, the Saint Armand Circle in Sarasota, and uh, that night it, it was a Sunday night, and they used to play reggae down there. And uh, so we were down there, and Kid and I was just having a drink or whatever at the bar. And Kid, remember, it was the 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 server, the waitress. They, yes. She had walked outside, and they had like the sliding glass door. She walked outside and was serving drinks to somebody and then the manager came after she had walked outside and closed the sliding glass door so when she walked back Uh-oh. oh my god yeah. she just <laughs> faceplanted <laughs> right into the thing and we were like and it was you know the now me me I'm the one that you know I have genuine
1: concern for
3: people. <laughs> 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 Now the other dude, <laughs> <laughs> right suspect. So, and so long story short, that was the same <laughs> night that he ended up. He ended up getting a and a little throwdown. I, I don't want to say too much, but he ended up throwing down with somebody outside uh, that night. I mean, it was just that's that's just who we were at the time. It was fun. We had
2: a good time. Um, but, yeah, he actually was some ass that night. I, I do have <laughs> one you last know, you <laughs> Learned from experiences. and he, I was young. And <laughs> I do have
0: one last serious question before I throw it over to Kendall and Young and you guys have your shenanigans with them. But, uh, player, you know, you're part of management. You're in the booth. What is your ultimate career goal with Pittsburgh? Do you want to be the booth guy? Do you want to be part of management? Or do you want to be part of the coaching staff? Because you can't do it all.
3: No, you're right. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, I think this game is is given so much. Um, you serve the game. That's that's how we are. Uh, at the end of the day, we want to give back to the game. And I truly can say, I I want to be able to benefit the next generation of baseball, whatever that looks like. If it's oh. if it's behind it,
0: come on. No, it's it's it's, it's, it's the a best non answer ever. I, I
3: have no desire. I have no desire to necessarily be on the field. Um, Jason, I've talked about this, you know, if for some reason he gets a managerial job at some point in, in the next five to 10 years, it it would be a consideration, you know, just because it's him, but the the real, the realistic part of it, I, I didn't, I don't have a desire to be back on the field. I do see, I love being in player development because it, you get to impact these guys and give them an opportunity to make it to where we were blessed to be able to be. Um, so I, I like being where I'm at from the player development side and helping guys get to the major leagues and impact the the city of Pittsburgh. Um, but I, and I've yet to really indulge in that entire season in the in the color part. So I don't know if it's something that I really would gravitate to and want to do moving forward over the next five or ten years, or if it's just something that. I want to be able to experience this see if I, that makes sense.
0: I did lie. I do have one more question, and it went back to us talking <laughs> about baseball and COVID, which I was going to try to slip in, but we moved on pretty quickly. Is look, I'm I'm against baseball being played without the fans, and we can get into it later on a different show. Uh, when fans start to come in, how do you think this will impact players mingling with the fans, signing autographs before or after the games, playing catch with kids? Do you think you'll see more of the players shying away from being personable or being towards the kids because of the parents or even the kids in, in this kind of illness?
3: Well, I think there may be some of that early on. Time will tell. I think if you look at where the game has gone and – the, the, just take the protection, for example, trying to protect the fans from, you know, we actually having, you know, nets all the way down, you know, the right or the first base side, left field side, uh, as well, you know, that takes away some of that interaction. Uh, you don't have that same, I remember back, you know, in the day at PNC park at three river stadium, I used to play catch with, you know, a kid, you know, in the stands, you know, from where I was on the field. I mean, you don't have that opportunity to do that very much anymore. So they're taking away that. So we got to find another way where we can interact, uh, interject, and, and co-mingle, if you will, in that place. But it's going to take some time. I mean, it's a lot of people that are going to be gun-shy about interacting. It's no doubt about it. A lot of those are going to be players. Um, they're going to be conscious of They might even be geared towards it either by the association or by the league itself about, You know, staying clear of doing that. So it's going to take a little bit of time, Dennis, until we kind of figure out it's unprecedented. So, what you don't want to do is create another issue or problem um, that can damage where we're at at the game right now. And, Dennis,
2: that's a great question. And, you know, KY's answer was unbelievable with as far as, and I'll never forget getting back to Lou Collier. KY was there. I don't know if he was out of the game yet. We're in spring training. Luke Collier had a cannon, an absolute cannon. And he launched one in spring training and it went up and it hit a kid right in the head. He went down to the, uh, the hospital in, in Bradenton and, you know, he had emergency brain surgery. We all went down there and, and you know, and ho- hoping to God he's still okay. But, I mean, them putting the Nets up is a huge step. And I just want to say that because I just brought up, I, I just thought of Luke Collier after that. And KY, I know you know, you know that I, what I'm talking about. But the reason KY. Dimitri and myself are still helping younger kids is I don't, I don't necessarily know that we, we owe the game, but we enjoy it, but we want to see this game completely go on, on, and on. And it makes us excited. Like I can only imagine how proud Kevin Young is to, for Josh Bell's success. He'll never see like, I, I, he never wants credit, but I know. And I, it's cool for me to see, Kevin Young in Josh Bell, the way he acts, the way he handles himself. So I think more than anything, we love that. We we love watching kids get – we don't want the credit. We've already been there, and we've done that. We just want to watch these kids succeed and succeed at a high level because it's not easy. Not every kid's going to be the next uh, uh, Mike Trout or, or Serena Williams. It doesn't happen. And every parent out there right now thinks that their kids are going to be that. Listen, let them have fun right now. When they get to that level – it's a different, different level, and I think. And tell me if I'm wrong, guys. But I mean, we we enjoy seeing these kids make this progress. Like I, I like I said, Josh Bell, perfect example. I take I credit see for KY Josh Bell in every him. Day. No, you're exactly
1: right, and and because I mean, we just talked about that with me and the high school level talking to different school for the players here, and and being directly involved in their maturity as not only a ball player but as a human being these kids in high school they're trying to get to the next level and they're going through changes and i'm seeing them come in as freshmen they come in you know they still playing with toys and stuff like that and then oh lord they discover girls and they get the drive and then you have then they have the friends that don't exactly have the same interests as you know, and they're not looking out for that guy's best interest. So, as a coach, you know, we have to kind of put our foot down where a pair is not able to. And then that continues on to where you're at, KY, where mm. these guys are looking for somebody to lean on and, and to be able to trust. And you provide that for them. I mean, I was liking Josh Bell, and now hearing that you have that much behind that, man, that makes him one of my favorites.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you, D, that one of the things that it'll help too is, is, and kid, you know this better than anybody, that all all ultimately I did when it came to Josh Bell is is to share what has been passed down to me. Willie Stargell was a major influence on Jason Kendall and I, you know.
1: That, um, that's huge.
3: Exactly. And that's all I saw we're doing. It's the game that keeps on giving. So um, you know, Dennis, honestly, when you ask that question about where do I want to be. That that says it all to me. It's not necessarily about where I wanna be, as much as that where does the game, you know, where does where can I serve the game the most? How can I give back to the game that's provided so much opportunity for me? Um, like I said, Willie Starzell impacted my life when he talked about the impact that I can have on a team defensively, you know? Hmm. That's why I took so much pride in my defense, you know. Um, not to mention the leadership qualities and how he communicated—you know, the leader that he was in the clubhouse. Um, these are all the things that I just ultimately end up passing on from one generation of, of athletes in baseball to another. And and you got to do the same. And kid, you did the same as well. So that's that's what this game means to to a lot of us. It's it's not about what it's done for me. It's about you know what 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 can I do for it moving forward and
2: how we can impact this game for us later. And Pops, Willie Stargell was the greatest of all time, I swear. I I think of him very often, Um, and just what a special, special person, human being. Um, And that all being said, Dennis, you guys can have fun now, but to get back to a funny part of the conversation, we've already been through the grind. It'd have to be a perfect situation for all three of us to be there. Do you think we want to go and sit in a a ballpark at 8 in the morning until 8 at night? in spring training for two months and then hop on. a No, we've already been there and done that. So it would have to be a perfect situation for us three to deal with that grind. And um, there's going to uh, be score. a lot of alcohol involved. Probably. A, a, that's, a, probably, a that's
1: probably why they, they have these guys that are coaching in the big leagues that never went through that grind.
2: I, I, yeah. Yep. They want exactly. To,
0: <laughs> I think, yep. guys, I would make a great locker room attendant, maybe – uh, the beer fetcher. Look, I know that I'm not skilled enough to be part of the, the, the coaching staff, but maybe, like, somewhere on the outside. I mean, where do I sign up? I Dude, guess. you
1: got media credentials. Why you keep coming up with that BS? Because I want to work man. with you
0: guys. Uh, what about, like, Popcorn Guy? I can make popcorn. I can sell tickets. Come on, guys.
2: I, I'm kind of big on then the dryer. Nobody part.
3: eats popcorn in a major league clubhouse. Nobody in the major league. And
2: I'm I'm kind of on the drive, like UB driver, because um, when KY had 100 ribbies a year, it was in 97, 98, we could not wait for him to get it. And we, because we'd always go, you know, somebody has a milestone, you go out and you celebrate it. Well, all I remember about KY, and I talked to him earlier about this, was like, hey, we were, uh, when you had your first 100 RBI season, all I remember is McDonald's and having a Big Mac. And then he goes, we did it twice. And then I, we did it the next year. We were fortunate enough to be in Chicago when he had 200 RB- <laughs> back-to-back years. And I'm, all I remember is the limo and the Big Mac. So you definitely need to be a driver <laughs> so you can, you can tell us what happened the next day.
0: I'm also good at burying the hookers. Just saying. Dennis, that would be cool. That would be cool, though. I mean, you could cover up a lot of stuff for us. I could Dennis, do it. I know that for sure. I've got a clean record. I could take some of this rap for I you guys. Don't. Well, we know that, Dimitri. I mean, that's not a secret. I'm just saying. I'm. Do, is there a, and, and don't dig on the other two. <laughs> is there an application process? Do I have to go through an interview, or just because I know you guys automatically get the job? How how are we doing, this guys?
1: Uh,
3: I mean, you're in with me. I, you you show me enough already. See, yeah,
0: well, oh. you know
2: what? Bottom lines, we'll give you like ten buck tip at the end of the night. Just make sure we're home safe and tell us what happened the night before.
1: Perfect, perfect. I'm, I'm I was gonna say parking lot attendant, not even the one that lets us in, the the one that watches the cars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's
2: wow. perfect wow. as well
0: i <laughs> out of the clubhouse. Right. Hey,
2: Before we shut it down, ask Ky or Dimitri, if you have anything for Ky. I, I, I promise. I know it's wait, hard wait, for we me we to shut up, but too. I will shut up and let Ky either rag on me or let him go because it's uh, uh, he's got a lot of stuff to do tonight. Don't forget. He's got to go outside and uh, he ain't got nothing to do. Jason,
0: <laughs> Jason, don't forget your favorite quote.
2: Okay. All right. So, so no, uh, no, 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 no. This is not you. So he. <laughs> what was the quote that you said earlier to him? It was unbelievable. Which one? I don't know. You don't remember.
3: <laughs> so, no, every my- day
2: before the game started, you know, three Musketeers, right? Yes. And it was, one for, it was all for one and one for all? Mm-hmm. KY, before we go out to the field, we go. All for one and three for four with four ribbies. See you guys. <laughs> and you go out every night, every day. The best quote ever. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Oh, that's and, beautiful. And hearing him tell you that story right there, like, you know, I just use you know, I want to be a teammate. <laughs> every game for seven years. All right, everybody ready? Anybody oh, ready? All for one and three for four with four ribbies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's classic. Um, yeah, I love that. It's no. true. It's so
1: true. All right. That is, that is such Honestly. a season in baseball. That is one of those <laughs> things that – that's the stuff I miss, like like little stuff yes. like that.
0: Now, now Kevin, you're no back – No doubt about it. Now that you're back in the public eye and we're wrapping up the show, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, I, I know that you're probably pretty big into social media now being – that you're moving into the broadcast booth, and you probably should have a bigger social media impact.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm getting there.
0: Like I said, KY29
3: times. Uh, you can get that on on uh, on all of it, really. Twitter, uh, also Instagram. Uh, that that is my tag there. So, and honestly, it is. You know, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. It's been fun. It's been a blast, uh, Dennis. I'm looking forward to getting you that new job with us. Thank you. You know, so.
0: What about carrying your bags? Can yeah, I at but... least carry your bags from town to town? How about that?
2: No, I like Dimitri's idea—just kind of watching the cars. <laughs> wow, that's
0: that—that that seems about right for my skill set. So I'm okay with that. I'm not gonna fight. I guess you know, just watch your guy's cars. And, you know, hang you could be the
3: travel secretary
0: too, but man, that's <laughs> no, that
1: really that, that brings them in the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs>
2: As you can tell, Dimitri loves
1: (laughs) (laughs) me.
0: All right. Well, anyhow,
2: K-White, thank you. You know I love you, ma'am, And thank you for um, coming on the show. And I I know for a fact people are going to get something out of this, especially now with what's going on today. And and everybody wants baseball. And I think you kind of gave a – actually, you really did give a huge guesstimate, so to speak, to be like, this is what – we're talking about. Them. so I greatly appreciate that. And hopefully baseball comes back soon and good luck <laughs> when you ever get to hop behind the mic on television. I, I can't wait to watch it. Cause I, I know you're going to do an unbelievable job and uh, just make sure they pay you well. And do me one <laughs> last favor, Josh Bell. tell Ben Sherrington to sign Josh bell because I am so sick of people calling me saying like, Hey, what does it feel like to still have the highest contract guy in Pittsburgh? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell someone to pay him so I don't get calls on that. Well, you you, you stunk, you couldn't hit a home run, and you still made the most money in, or the highest contract in Pittsburgh. Tell Sherrington to give Bell, just get it out of, please, get it out of my face. Yeah, somebody cocks me. <laughs> That's what he costs me. You should. it will right. no, be good stuff. He, he deserved, they
3: couldn't do it to a better guy, so at the end of the day, like I said, they, they had you while the, while you were there, and you, you represented the city really well, so you know, that's my political side of it. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> I love you, dude. Thank you.